Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast, brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host, Cody Kitchen, sits across the table from Pastor John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and joined with me is the one and only Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, Cody. It's great to be with you. Yes, it's exciting. This is our first episode of Upon Further Review, and so we are excited to bring this episode to you. So we have been in a series in Luke for quite some time, ever since I've been here, and I've been here for almost four months now. Yes, I jokingly say that we will be in the Gospel of Luke at least till the next election. (laughs) Which is probably true to that. Um, We are, uh, John is a pastor that preaches verse by verse. And so we, as when we go into a book or series, we are in there for quite a while. So for ones that are joining in, that is why we joke about it. This past Sunday, you preached a message on Luke chapter 9, verse 37 through 45. And it was titled, Annoyed and Frustrated. Correct. As you prepared this message, what are some things that came to your mind? Several thoughts. Number one, the relentless demands of people upon the Lord. When you examine the Lord's ministry in the gospel accounts, one of the dynamics that rises to the top was the pace of his ministry. And the demands that people placed on him were simply relentless. Secondly, uh, even the Lord had moments where he appears completely exasperated with people. And what that tells us is that dealing with people is exhausting and not always, as Adrian Rogers used to say, all honey and no bees. That is a good point. I cannot imagine the ministry that Jesus had to put up with um, throughout and how frustrated it could be. Because we know in ministry it's frustrating. Yes. And so I'm sure um, that there were many times he was frustrated. What we tell through the verses, if we go back and read the verses, and as you have pointed out on Sunday, is that in verse 38 through 40, a father takes this demon-possessed son of his to Jesus to be healed. And a point that you brought up was how most of us do not want Jesus to be taking a close look into our lives, and that how it's a primal response. But this man was wanting Jesus to look at his son. So my question is for believers or even maybe unbelievers Why is it so important to allow Jesus to take a closer look in our lives? Yes, uh, the text actually says in verse 38 that a man from the crowd shouted saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son because he is my only son. And then he describes the situation that prompted him in his desperation to approach the Lord. And when you first look at that verse, what seems to leap out, at least from my point of view, was the father wanted Jesus to take a close look at his son. And I started thinking about, thinking about that. 
And in reality, I don't think we really want Jesus to take that close of a look because it's more primal in us that our natural instinct and response would be to flee from the Lord and to hide from his presence because we know what he's going to find when he gazes into our hearts. And so his gaze upon us is focused on the internal and less on the external. And the Lord is concerned more about the condition of a person's heart and less so the appearance of a person. And his gaze gets straight to the truth and he exposes what's in us that we are really masters of hiding from one another. So that verse really gave me a moment of pause to think about, do I want the Lord really looking that closely at me? It's interesting to me that our response, and we see this even in the garden with Adam and Eve, that our response is to hide. Yes. That the Father created us for a relationship, and yet because of sin, because of things that we do, that our first reaction is to hide from the one who cares about us most. Yeah. The, if you go back to that text in Genesis, Adam and Eve enjoyed this unique relationship with the Father in that they walked with him, the Bible says, in the cool of the day. And then after the fall, their instinct shifted and they hid from God because they realized that they were naked and ashamed. And so I think that has drifted into our lives as well, of course, and I think that's our default by nature of the fact that we too have a sin nature as well as our own sin, and we prefer to hide from God as opposed to invite him to take a look into us. Right. I think we can learn a lot from this father who I think on one hand was desperate for his son to be healed, but at the same point knew that it took Jesus to look um, a, a little further for him to be healed. And another point that you made going into verse 41 was that how Jesus displayed annoyance and frustration and that he was addressing his disciples, but also the generation at the time and how he calls the, the generation an unbelieving and perverse generation. And I love how you made the point that the culture at the time was a faithless culture. And when people fail to trust God, they make a real mess of their lives. And honestly, and you said this, I think this is a true that we, truth that we need to be reminded of daily. And so my question is, how can we learn from the disciples' mistake to please the Lord in our daily lives? I think that's an important question to consider. And the answer to the question is really both simple and complicated. It, it's simple in that we attend to the disciplines that produce in us godliness and obedience, such as Bible reading, prayer, church engagement, sharing our faith, the obedient life, staying close to Christ. That's the simple answer. The complicated answer is that in reality, we all drift because life happens. Life comes at us in all directions. And much of what comes at, at us 
that we call life is largely out of our control, and we find that life is tough, and sometimes fear, anxiety, worry, uh, all of these dynamics are quite common in all of our lives today, and so we have to make a concerted, disciplined effort to please God daily, and that's a challenge for all of us. That's a great answer, and I think also to add to it for my life personally, I have realized that our, it's so important as we start our day or as we go on with the days to have that time with the Lord where we not only grow, as you said, in, in the Word, but also where we have the time to pray and to hear and to listen. And I know for me, time after time, it's easy to go off the way of where God wants us or in those thoughts in our minds um, when we're not spending that time. And I think, as you said, and the point that you made is this is why Jesus was so frustrated was because they have seen literally healings and Jesus do the work, and yet they still struggled with those, with those things. And so I think it's an important reminder for all of us to just continue um, to walk in the truth and, and know when we are starting to walk away from that, um, to be reminded of uh, to walk in that truth and what that what that looks like and so as we transition and you transitioned on Sunday into seeing the greatness of God and we looked at verses about the amazement of Jesus and you made this point to emphasize the importance of seeing that Jesus had the victory over the demon I loved how you transitioned into Jesus making the statement of the second passion announcement and you explained why Jesus had to die. And there's four reasons. The first one was to provide atonement for sin. The second was to provide access to the Father. And the third was to provide abolishment of consequences of sin. And the last one was provide advocacy before the Father. So for someone who isn't a follower of Christ, or maybe someone who has not been faithful, what can you tell them on the importance of look, looking to Jesus in all things? For starters, and really this is the most important reason, uh, Christ is the only way of salvation. Amen. Jesus himself, and you've heard me say this, Jesus was the most honest and loving man who ever set foot on the earth. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that statement, which is very exclusive and quite offensive to secular culture, is nonetheless the truth. And we may only come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that demands a response of repentance and faith, repentance for our sin, a brokenness and a, a godly sorrow over our offending God and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And mankind has almost exhausted himself in pursuing any and every other avenue to be right with God. And there's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So all these other ways we try to merit favor with God are pointless hmm. and fruitless 
and ultimately lead to our own destruction and condemnation. Our only hope is Christ. And so for others outside of Christ and for others who are pursuing avenues that they hope will merit them favor with God, the goalposts are always moving. And with Christ, it's the same. Repent and believe. That is the path to salvation, and it goes only through uh, Jesus Christ. Every other path leads to emptiness. Amen. What a good answer, and so true. I think so much of today's culture, we've allowed the enemy in way too many things in our lives. And I think we need to come back to the truth of, of Scripture. And, um, I just go back to, as you were talking, thinking about in the verse where it talks about they stood in amazement. And I just don't know how um, people cannot be amazed by reading God's Word and seeing what Jesus did. And even in our culture today, the things that still amazes us uh, that God does and the blessings that he gives us on a daily basis and how important that is. I say that to say how important it is to come into salvation. Yeah, and if I may interrupt you just a moment because you make a good point. I re recall saying in the service, in the sermon Sunday, that even if I was not a believer in Christ and I only read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then I found reliable books written about the person of Christ. I don't think that I couldn't but help admire and be in amazement of the life Jesus lived. No one has ever lived a life like him. I'm grateful that he has saved me. He's my savior. I follow him as my Lord. But even if that were not the case, I would argue that there's no doubt that Jesus is one, one of the top 10 most influential difference-making people that ever have set foot on the earth in, in history, period. And, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to debate the truthfulness of what I've just said. That's what in many ways makes him so remarkable, and it's no wonder that his contemporaries were often amazed at him, what he did, what he said, his responses to people. It, it, he was a remarkable person. Absolutely. And as we close, John, give us some final thoughts, some last words for this podcast. Well, it's a challenge for all of us in the modern era to resist being annoyed and frustrated with people. I think uh, that the, the day in which we live, certainly currently, with all the challenges that are presented to us from everything from a pandemic to politics, sports, entertainment, uh, all these arenas, uh, we find ourselves consistently bumping into people that frustrate us and annoy us and get on our nerves. And so, you know, sometimes we have to ask, what's driving that in me? Why am I this way? And I think like Christ, we move in the direction with his help 
of displaying a compassionate response to people. Now, is that easy? I will be the first to say that it is not. Is it required? Yes. Who did it best? Jesus Christ. And that's why we, we look to him for our example and how to conduct ourselves uh, when we uh, interact with the people that cross our paths on a daily basis. Amen. Well, as we bring this uh, podcast to a close, we want to thank you for uh, giving us a few moments of your time to participate in listening to this podcast. And Cody and I have decided that we want to end each podcast with a bit of uh, maybe silliness or humor. And so we have come up with what we're going to call that stupid segment. And so I'll kick it off for our first podcast. Most of our listeners probably know that I'm a fan of the San Francisco 49ers, and I have been since the Dallas Cowboys fired Tom Landry decades ago. I can carry a grudge with the best of them. And uh, as you may also be aware, the 49ers played the Los Angeles Rams this past Sunday in the NFC Championship game, and what was likely Jimmy Garoppolo's final pass as a 49ers quarterback was actually a shovel pass to a teammate, and that ball careened off the the shoulder pads of the teammate into the awaiting arms of an L.A. Rams defender. And that essentially shut the books on the 49ers' uh, comeback victory and forfeited their chance to go to the Super Bowl. And so what is that, Cody? I'm going to tell you, that's stupid. Thank you. That's exactly right. My sentiment exactly. We appreciate you all uh, tuning in today and hope that this was uh, fruitful and profitable for further reviewing Sunday's uh, sermon text. Yes, and as always, we ask that you share this podcast with friends, and we want to thank you for joining us to end this, and to end this session. Remember, make Christ known by declaring and living out the gospel of Jesus. Have a great week. See you all next week. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at infofieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.